1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back to the Wolverine podcast. You've got us coming live at you. We, uh, we appreciate everybody that tunes in to join. Uh, thank you every week and ask if you want to keep these podcasts going, uh, just hit that donate button. And, uh, Contribute to the cause. We have wall-to-wall Michigan football talk, not surprisingly, this week. Michigan-Penn State. And we're going to be kicking it around with a couple of people today. Uh, One, you know very well because we see him plenty. He's Tom Crawford. He's uh, from East Lansing. You see him on uh, TV with Jack Ebling every week. And uh, you also see him on his videos with uh, the Crawford Podcasting Network. I enjoy those. Tom Crawford, welcome back to the podcast.
0: Always great to be back, John, and uh, it's finally here. Michigan is playing a ranked opponent. We've been waiting the last two months. It's going to happen, and we're going to find out exactly how good these Wolverines are, or perhaps are not, but hopefully are.
1: No doubt. I was just uh, on a few minutes ago on the Pennsylvania Sports Network with one Jed Donahue talking about the fact that this is going to be Michigan's toughest opponent, in my opinion, uh, until they reach Columbus, Ohio, and certainly the toughest opponent that they have seen, the most complete opponent that they've seen this year. That same Jed Donahue is going to join us for the last 20 minutes of this podcast, and we will talk more about Pennsylvania State University and the (laughs) University of Michigan knocking heads. But uh, let's let's take a look back right now at what took place on Saturday, because obviously uh, that was no cakewalk in Indiana. And it never seems to be 10-10 at the half. And uh, your your impressions of what took place in that first half for the Wolverines.
0: Ah uh, didn't totally shock me, John, and and I it was I keep paralleling last season to this season. I go back to last year's second road game after the the big win at Wisconsin, just like the big win at Iowa this year. a little bit of a letdown., uh, they struggled up uh, down in Lincoln uh, against Nebraska, pulled that one out. They struggled for a half against Indiana, which they always do, seemingly at Memorial Stadium, uh, whether it's night or in the or in the daytime or where there's no crowd, which was the case two years ago with COVID. Uh, But they dug themselves out of it. Now, keep in mind, in fairness to Michigan, at a a pretty shocking, uh, you know, just disgruntling moment, uh, you know, disturbing moment, rather, uh, when Mike Hart went down, uh, you know, seizure uh, collapsing, and uh, the impact that that had on his position group, that entire team. And so you got to... That has to play in consideration, I would think, how Michigan um, played in that first half. I, but you know, at the same time, I uh, Indiana played well, and, and Michigan's defense finally short things up in the second half with an incredible pass rush, seven sacks of seven different guys. That was that was a good thing, and it, and it and it cost Indiana's offensive line coach his job. I mean, this wacky world of uh, firing coaches.
1: No doubt. And what was it, 29 yards in the second half for Indiana? Yeah. I mean, that, that is a turnaround because Indiana scored 10 points in the first half. Yes. But boy, they moved the football and they did some things. You know, they, we saw that hurry up, which seems to always give Michigan fits at times. Uh, it was pointed out to me this week, and I think it was a good point that that can cut both ways that you can wear down a little bit your own offensive line where you're when you're running that stuff all the time. Certainly it discombobulated Michigan's defense a little bit, but talk about those defensive adjustments at halftime. You know, the, the Wolverines all spoke about it. The players, Jim Harbaugh, uh, they, this was a group that got in that locker room at halftime and just said, okay, Here's what they're doing. Here's what we're going to do. And th- it, they just gave Indiana absolute fits in the second half. And at, down the stretch, it was it was almost as if Indiana and its offense did not want to go back on the field because it it almost knew what was coming. If I'm that quarterback, uh, I'm I'm saying, oh boy, let's let's get rid of it early or let's do something because. So, as you mentioned, seven different sacks by seven different players. I mean, it was, it was crazy.
0: You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned about um, an offensive line sprinting up the line of scrimmage and then, and, 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 you know, and just tapping all their energy by half. I mean, it reminded me of the Rich Rodriguez, R- R- Rich Rodriguez era at Michigan. Remember that? The I, offensive well, line would wear out in, in mm-hmm. the second half. And, um, you know, it was that fast paced thing. Um, but, yeah, I thought Michigan made some tremendous adjustments. And, and uh, you know, Mozzie Smith continues to play well. Uh, Mike Sandra still is going to end up on the NF, in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball, I'm thinking, someday. I mean, it's crazy. And then I thought Michigan's uh, – they got Michigan's running game a little get, a little bit going a little bit and and uh, also in, in the aerial game. I mean, my God, J.J. McCarthy is the most efficient passing quarterback in the entire country right now. Uh, and he's just a few games in as far as starting goes. So that was a good thing. You know, like I said, it didn't shock me. It cost Michigan a, a peg in the in the top 10 rankings, but who cares about that? It doesn't matter because the schedule is going to be tough enough moving forward all the way to that 12th game for Michigan to get its uh, data points back up uh, and to get into that CFP if they run the table. And maybe if they don't run the table but come close in game 12, they could still sneak in. But, um, it, you know, I thought it was a good win. I mean, it wasn't a great win. And also it was a game right before a very, very big game that we're going to be talking about a lot during this podcast.
1: Absolutely. And as you mentioned, there was an emotional element to this one that you really cannot discount. I mean, you and I were both around for the Mike Hart years, and yes. he just seemed uh, all but a stretch in 2005 when he had an ankle injury. Uh, it, he just seemed almost indestructible and all of a sudden you're seeing him as a coach on the sidelines and uh, them strapping him down to that cart and taking him off. It's not like he got, uh, got popped on the sidelines like John Falk did uh, at Iowa. Yeah. It, it, at was, Iowa. Yeah. it was just him going down with a, with a medical emergency as they described it and as uh, Fox later called it, a, a seizure. Uh, it was that, that a really, really scary moment. You had the, your running backs, Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum over on the sidelines uh, tearing up. I mean, we had just seen Mike Hart Wednesday at Beckler yeah. Hall talking yeah. about his uh, his great affection for Corum and this entire group of running backs and and uh, Corum coming in and, and telling how special Mike Hart is. He's been to his house for Thanksgiving and all of this kind of stuff. and And then just like that, it's like, Man, how quickly can life turn and how much of uh, a little injection of perspective can that lend to, to a moment like that?
0: Well, I mean, you know, and people don't realize. I think people are starting to realize more about the dynamics of a, of a college football team with relationship to the position group. Now, all of a sudden, everybody knows about the room. Everybody's got this room, position group room. How is it in the room? And uh, the running backs have their room. Mike Hart is a leader of that room. And yeah, there's a special relationship that that exceeds even the head coach. And then keep people forget that Mike Hart really has a strong admiration for Tom Allen. He had a really good experience down at IU and uh, knew a lot of those people on the SF. How ironic that it happened at at IU that he has this, you know, the thing about it is you mentioned John Falk. I, 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 I you know, it's you mentioned that because immediately I thought about that was it was this a John Falk moment did someone slam into somebody on the on the sidelines but you know John Falk was you know broken uh, you know they always say broken bones can be can be fixed but when you're dealing with a seizure I mean then you're dealing neurological or potentially I'm no doctor but I mean you you're you're getting into those worry areas you know where when you're dealing with somebody passing out and that's what I think was so disturbing uh, to those young you know those young players. And my God, you know keep in mind, they're 18, 19, 20. It's hard for grownups to look at that stuff. And, and I, I thought I thought Michigan handled it very well, look you know looking at the big at the big picture. And, and once again, John, this started out just like the Iowa game, the first possession blazing right down the field, uh, textbook uh, execution. And then the thing kind of sputters from that point. So that's happened twice in back-to-back weeks.
1: They're great coming out of halves. There's no doubt. Yeah, the they first are. half and the second half. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, a telling stat for Michigan in terms of we were talking about making adjustments. Uh, they have allowed – do you know how many points uh, total in the third quarter so far this year through the first half of the season? Tell me, John. <laughs> Three. <laughs> Three points in the third Pretty quarter. good. That's pretty strong. That means you're going in and you're fixing some things. And uh, and certainly they did that uh, on Saturday, uh, despite the fact that, that Mike Hart goes down. Uh, very good news that uh, he is uh, sending out a message and saying that he is doing much better. He's in good spirits. He's, uh, he's itching to get back. And in the meantime, you've got some, some nice uh, – Gestures going on. PJ Fleck from Minnesota weighing in with his best wishes, and James Franklin from Penn State uh-huh. doing the same this week. And never ever count out Freddie Jackson. <laughs> He's back here. He is back <laughs> guiding the uh, the running back steps in. He was already on uh, Jim Harbaugh's staff, but wow, you, you, to, to see him uh, going at it again and uh, and guiding the backs for Michigan is. Uh, Talk about a throwback.
0: You know, you know, John. It's funny. You you know, you mentioned that this is where this. Um, I, I always believe in, uh, and not to get too deep here, but there's a there's a reason for everything, and there was a reason for that. Fred Jackson got back on this staff to to fill this void for Mike Hart. You know what I mean? It's just it's meant to be hmm. that he's there to put in that position that he did such a tremendous job. Uh, coaching at Michigan with you know I think it was first Gary Moeller and then uh, Lloyd Carr, um, at least the whole duration of Lloyd Carr and and lasting through uh, Rich Rod and uh, did he even go through Brady Hoke I think did he not um, or or a portion thereof he was iconic great recruiter uh, great dude uh, well what 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 a blessing to have him to fill in for Mike Carr.
1: Oh, yeah. We were both around when Fred Jackson rolled into town in, in 1992. Yeah. And uh, he had players such as Tyrone Wheatley mm-hmm. and Timonga Biakabatuka and just uh, great, great Michigan backs. And I tell you what, he's got one that's uh, not too shabby these days in Blake Corum.
0: Yeah, 25 carries this time. Hey, he's uh he's, he's lessening the load huh? a little bit, going down a few notches. Uh but, you know, 25 to 30. I think that's what you're going to get, John, from Blake Corum and I think like I mentioned last week it's that, you know, gets better, gets stronger as he moves on. And uh, you know, 124 yards as we see on the screen here and um and and you know, here's the thing, the stat that I'm yeah, that number 9 there with the four carries Against Penn State and great defenses, I think that needs going to have to be a seven, eight, or a nine, where those legs are going to be have to be utilized in that RPO because uh, that's what that was what the big feature benefit of JJ McCarthy. And I know Michigan's been conservative potentially about that, but I think in big games against a good defense like Penn State, I think JJ's carries are going to go up the than just like four in this game against IU.
1: Well, allow me then for a moment to play El Diablo's advocate and uh, just mention the fact that uh, Michigan is one play away from putting a quarterback in a, a very, very big game who has yet to start a game in a Michigan uniform.
0: But you can get hurt. You know, you can get. I mean, you can get sacked and get hurt. I mean, you can't. You can't play this game. I mean, I mean, why? I mean, you know what I mean? Why? Why play the game if you're going to play? afraid to be getting hurt. I'm not saying, you know, I mean, I mean, he's doing he's gonna do smart things. He's gonna do the slide and things like that. But I'm just talking about and the read pass option. When you look, John, at teams that are in and we saw Stetson Bennett did that for the Georgia Bulldogs and RPL. You're gonna to have to have your quarterback to go big time where Michigan wants to go to be a competitor in the CFP, you have to have an elusive quarterback throw that threat at that defense. Otherwise, you're you know you're 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 coddling the defense by not running. You're saying don't run the ball. Is that what you're saying?
1: I'm not saying that. I am saying pick your spots and be darn good at getting down when you do. There was a yeah. there there was a run in the Indiana game as you noted that that uh, he about got his head taken off uh, because he got popped high. And one of the things about sliding is. The fact that, you know, people then sometimes get away with uh, what otherwise would be called targeting. You get a quarterback who slides late and he's halfway down and he yeah. gets popped in the face. Well, okay, that was because the quarterback was going down. So no, I understand. And, and I know. think that's going to be draw. I mean, we saw this
0: in the Georgia game, in the CFP. I um, mean, he was taken on. He was, you know, taking on a more physical aspect of it. Right, um, and not getting down, and and I'm sure he's being told to do that, but he's got to use his legs. Now, uh, I mean, because this defense, I mean, I'm not saying Penn State's a great defense, John, but it's the best defense by far Michigan's played, and it's the best team they've played so far as well. And you're going to have to for this offense to click, he's going to have to have that threat thrown at that defense that that on that RPO of of carrying the football, which Cade McNamara pretty much did not provide. It was never honored. And it showed.
1: I I don't disagree with you. I just say it better be darn smart when he does it. And uh, he is (laughs) growing in that area. And by the way, some of the folks that are weighing in, that are listening in, uh, are are, uh, definitely on Team Crawford. They're saying, um, yeah, you got to play the game. You can't play it. uh, You know, you can't play it scared. You can't do this or that. But not scared, but definitely smart. Another aspect of J.J. McCarthy that people are talking about is a general ineffectiveness in uh, attacking downfield so far. We've talked about the long ball. In this game, I mean, the the kid throws for 300 yards. What, three touchdowns? Great game, right? right? But people were still talking about the fact that a lot of that came late, and you do you weren't throwing down the field necessarily to attack. And he was choosing some of the underneath stuff. Your thoughts on where JJ McCarthy is in terms of backing teams off and uh, and making them pay with uh, with longer, more aggressive throws?
0: Yeah, the longest throw I think he had was like twenty nine. I mean, CJ had a twenty nine yarder, I think, in this game. Um, uh, and I think he's gonna, you know, the the, the between the hashes, deep down the middle. Uh, even with, with Scooney on a you know, on, 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 on a, where the, where the tight end just, just, you know, goes on a go route right down between the hashes. We haven't really seen that. And that's been a, that's been a play that Michigan has uh, excelled on over the years. And we haven't really seen that. We see him on those, on, on those drag routes with, with, with Scooney and those out patterns. Um, And his longest catch, I think was like 15 yards. So, um, yeah, I, I think against good defenses, obviously the last team they're going to have to play, they're going to have to do that. Uh, you're going to, you know, you're going to have to stretch that defense, and that's going to open up the running game a lot more. If Michigan can stretch that defense, even if you throw a long out and throw a long incomplete, that'll get them thinking about a little bit, and and Michigan will have a, a I think, more effective time running the football.
1: Yeah, he did have his first interception uh, throwing it long down the middle. And uh, you know that always uh, makes the coaches' uh, and shoes Andrew, a little tighter.
0: And Andrew Anthony, you know, number you know number one there. You know, he's a good guy. He's a good receiver. I hope he gets targeted more than a few times. And I and and I hope he gets more plays more. You know, at quite often. You know, but with Roman Wilson, I'm not sure how that rotation goes with the the X and the Z and receiver and everything. But in the slot, but. Um, It seems like they could incorporate him more uh, because he's a good downfield blocker. Uh, Probably the second best downfield blocker to Ronnie Bell is Andrew Anthony. And I hope to see him getting more time, not just because he's an East Lansing kid. I think this kid has oodles of talent that needs to be tapped.
1: That's an interesting observation because people, a lot of people are talking about Andrew L. Anthony and why not more? Why not? Uh, you know, and and certainly last year there was there were questions about his blocking, and um, the, you know what what's going on there was that part of the reason. But you're talking about him seeing him as a as a strength as a downfield blocker. It um is. yeah, I, I I think you know that that's. You have to be well-rounded in every area to uh, to see time. And I know a lot of people would like to see that. We got Manuel Riggins weighing in saying, why are we not using Anthony Moore in the passing game? And that's a question that a lot of people are are asking. Uh, obviously, these coaches see every practice. They chart things. They, yeah. uh, they follow these very closely. And I, I'll bet – there are still areas where Andrew Anthony is getting challenged in practice and yet he is starting to create more attention and more time for himself no doubt on the field.
0: Well, you know, you're you're right and and this is where I always have to check myself because I'm not in practice. I don't have, I don't have uh, a fraction of a fraction of the uh, of the knowledge that that coaching staff has assessing their talent and how to utilize that talent. And, and so, I mean, so, but I just from the outside looking in and when he does play, he, you know, he, he was two for two and, and, uh, you know, catches and, um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I just think there's a, there's a lot of talent to be utilized. And I, and I, and I, I think JJ now, whatever, whatever game this is for him his fourth game or whatever. Um, this is a great game. I thought the IU game was what we talked about last week. It's gonna be a good game to get his own skills a little bit. and, And he was, you know, he threw for three hundred yards. That's good. But now it's now it's game. Now it's a legitimate opponent. I call it legitimate ranked opponent at home, mind you. May's out. The ninety seven team is there. Ever this is it. I mean, this is the game of the year as far as Ann Arbor goes. So this is his time to shine for JJ McCarthy.
1: Certainly, uh, time to show your stuff in a lot of areas, JJ McCarthy. And you know, if he doesn't. Uh, throw as much as people think to Andre Anthony is darn sure not because he doesn't like him because, uh, no, these two, these, those nice. two and Donovan Ever, uh, Edwards yeah. were the guys that stuck around after games last yeah. year and, yeah. and threw to each other. And, and certainly, you know, you saw Donovan Edwards make the nice catch on Saturday and, uh, and, um, he's a guy that, that Is a good compliment in so many ways, and Andrell Anthony is another really big talent that I think, as he uh, goes along, is going to do more and more. And you know, it could be, it certainly could be Saturday. Um, Michigan, you mentioned Penn State; they're going to need all hands on deck on defense, and it seems like they've got more hands. It just seems like that pass rush. uh, We we mentioned it, but it's not. Just Hutch and Ojabo. Uh, it is a, uh, a host of different players. Uh, it's Mike Morris. It's uh, Yabioki. It's Braden McGregor. You've got a bunch of guys that are really doing a job in putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. It was uh, Jalen Harrell. Uh, in this past game, yeah. although he uh, he learned a tough lesson, I don't think he, you know, it wasn't like Jim Harbaugh came down hard on him in the press conference. He said you can't do anything anymore.
0: Well, no, but- and I want to, I want to, you know, I'm glad he brought that up, um, because if that play had not, if that call had not happened, I don't think it'd be ten to ten at halftime. I mean I that, I mean that, that literally flipped. Let's say it flipped the half for Indiana in terms of. They, I mean, that, they were they were struggling, and all of a sudden, that was like that was just kryptonite for them. And all of a sudden, they were started perusing on down the field, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that that really that that play really irritated me. It's like, what do you do? I mean, and it, it is hypocritical because as Harbaugh pointed out, offensive guys can do it. They can do the first down thing, and in the end zone, I saw it all weekend long about you know guys doing gestures like this. How come you're not getting ragged in the end zone for that? Yeah, I mean if that's part of the play, and you know, I I don't understand it. There has got to be some consistency on celebration. And I guess if you just celebrate with your teammates, you can get away with it. But I see guys scoring touchdowns celebrating by themselves and doing goofy stuff. But um, you know, and I understand uh, how happy they are, and I and I get it. It's an emotional game. But uh, there's so much inconsistency on that. And that that that's going to that's going to, you know, just uh, come into play in a really big time game. I think somewhere down the line, hopefully not involving Michigan, that that's going to really jar the outcome of a game, I think, because it's it's absolutely crazy. And and I thought this, you know, Michigan was the least penalized. One of the least penalized teams going into this game. They had 10 penalties, 10 penalties because the referees wanted to be the stars of the game I thought I thought they took over the game it was ridiculous I thought the officiating was disgusting,
1: disgusting. Uh I think so did Ronnie Bell his reaction was priceless in the post game when they asked him about the officiating and he was <laughs> he he was holding back but he was like come on you know and then he kind of shifted into a more politically correct uh, uh he's
0: a senior he knows you know yeah, he knows yeah. he knows the
1: drill Right. It's location, location, location. And uh, I but I do think you're right. There is an inconsistency. I'm not a big guy for uh, drawing tons of attention to yourself after you make a play. I'm not either. At the same time, you collect the entire defense around a guy popping on sunglasses, got the buffs on on the sideline and take a picture. Yeah, that was funny. And if Jim Harbaugh is looking in, the Buffs are the sunglasses. Yeah, he doesn't
0: know what Buffs are. But
1: Angelique taught him he know, that. You know, he Monday, knows now. You know. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That was a priceless moment. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think that um, that was big, but it's even bigger for Michigan this week because uh, Penn State – has uh, a, a very effective offense at times. They put some points on the board, and uh, a quarterback then can get it done. If you don't get after the, them, uh, I, I think that um, the number of players that Michigan can call on as pass rushers is just uh, is really huge.
0: Yeah, because you can't key on anybody, you know. In this Penn State team, and I, uh, you know, I know we're we're, we're going to focus on that in the latter 20 minutes more about Penn State. But I, I would just when I look at Penn State, I uh I see a good team, an all-around good team, uh but not an all but not great at anything. I mean, they're just good at everything. That they don't have, you know, Dotson type receivers like they've had in the past. They got a really seasoned quarterback who's been there forever in Sean Clifford and, you know, this Nicholas Singleton is freshman. I watched Pretty much the entire Auburn game, I go, "Wow, that number ten, that dude, that dude's a player." So I mean, they got some players, but this game or this team rather doesn't strike fear in me of sheer talent like obviously Ohio State will, or or, or opponents Michigan has played in the past. I mean, it's just it's just a really good team, or it's just a good team, all around good team, but not a great team.
1: Well, there you go. Uh, we will see what is ahead with the Penn State Nittany Lions. It's it's I, I think it's just a it's a great series, and it has been. As uh, as I was talking with uh, Jed Donahue before, it's it's one of those things that uh, Penn State starts out this series, and. Uh, Michigan wins the first game, and then were all you at of a that sudden,
0: 93 game with a goal line stand. Were you at that game? I
1: absolutely was, that was at that game. The, that
0: was the most incredible goal line, and that came right after that that loss to Michigan State, the 17-7 loss up in East Lansing, where Michigan was terrible. I thought that was a heck of a bounce back win for the Wolverines.
1: No doubt about it. I learned a a a very very hard lesson in that game. You know, you uh, football players get better with experience. So do uh, do football writers because okay. I <clears throat> I attempted to travel on game day that year.
0: Oh my I, word! Are you kidding me? That was a twelve o'clock kick, wasn't it? Or early I kick?
1: Flew, it was an early kick, but I flew early into Pittsburgh, and all of a sudden Pittsburgh is socked in with uh, with fog, and okay. the uh, the late Frank Beckman, the former uh, voice of Michigan football, was also. There and uh, and fogged in, and uh, we got out at the last minute, and I can remember rolling, uh, running over those hills uh, in the parking (laughs) area to make it into the box just as the first half kickoff was taking place. Wow, that's amazing! It was a wild, wild situation. Lessons
0: learned, John Borton. Don't ever do that again.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, do we do we have Jed? Donahue of uh, of Pennsylvania Sports. There he is. Jed, welcome to the podcast. Uh, well, you're here with, uh, uh, you know me, and here's Tom Crawford. Uh, Hi, Jed. Long time uh, coverage man? For, uh, Good. for Michigan. Good to have you with us. I know that this is a big week. Tell us about your, your view of uh, Michigan-Penn State and and throw out that statistic that you talked about earlier that I was frankly shocked about in regard to these two teams.
2: Well, what's shocking is it's the first time since 1997 that these two teams are meeting in the top ten.
1: Yeah, that's
0: right. true.
2: What? Yeah. You know, and that was the gloaming game, man, where it was really bad weather. You had fog in 93 in Pittsburgh. I remember that game well. But 97 was where Charles Woodson, remember, they were auditioning oh, yeah. him at wide receiver. He should have won the Heisman just playing defense, okay? Yeah. I didn't have a vote that <laughs> I do now. Uh, Woodson, LeVar Arrington, Jack Tatum. I mean, am I into the top three guys ever defensively in college football history? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Woodson was it's unbelievable, good. man. I mean, God yeah. almighty. you awesome. a roll. Yeah, you're uh, on a
0: roll. Then,
2: He had a touchdown catch. Michigan elevated to number one. I was talking to the show after we were done today about 1994, which is the best Penn State team since they joined the Big Ten.
0: That was a great uh, game. That
2: offense. But we went up to your place in Ann Arbor. It was a beautiful Saturday. 3.30 kick. Little Keith Jackson, Bob Greasy, right? ABC. And you guys, unfortunately – got clipped the week before in the Cordell Stewart to Michael Westbrook. boy. So Michigan goes from three to nine, right? And we had that big debate in 94, who's better, Nebraska or Penn State. Well, if Penn State beats number three Michigan instead of number nine Michigan, maybe we don't have that Nebraska-Penn State thing going on in 1994. It's good to be in the talk show business that year, by the way. Everybody's (laughs) talking about the whole thing. But you know, just uh, this rivalry is really good. I mean, you know, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, with a Michigan game. All right, you know, don't boo yeah. me. I'm an Ohio oh, yeah. State guy. My uncle's yeah, got three yeah, gold yeah. pants. He, tra- you know, he cherished them till the day he died. That rivalry is unquestioned. It's unbelievable. But the respect I think that we have for Michigan is unquestioned. But you know, Penn State was down the Sandusky scandal. You had a little Rich Rod, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, this first time oh, yeah. since 97 top 10, Crazy. And it's starting to build in our state a little bit. It's starting to dawn on everybody. It's like, holy cow, uh, yeah. you know, Michigan's number five. And I think Penn State might be a year early. This is a foundation year. I heard you guys talk a little bit about, you know, Nicholas Singleton. He goes with Katron Allen. Yeah. Uh, Clifford's been here. I think it was at the 93 game, John. I, I think mean, so. He's been here a yeah. while. <laughs> I said, Tom, you're right. Uh, <laughs> they're real excited about this. Drew Aller, by the way, the five-star recruit from Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the backup quarterback in our state's always the most popular guy, right? Yeah. Donovan yeah. McNabb, never good enough for the Eagles. Ben in Pittsburgh. Uh, it's it, <laughs> We're brutal on QBs in the state. Brutal. <laughs> and he's been around a long time. Game manager. Um, is he going to be able to beat this Michigan defense? That's what everybody's wondering. And you're right; they don't have that guy that blow the top off the defense at wide receiver. Dotson's off to the NFL. Yeah, um,
0: that's amazing. You know, amazing it's uh, yeah,
2: it, it's a good group, but not a great one. The tight end room is really good. What's strange. Um, I think you guys lost Eric. All right, who's your guy? Yeah. at tight end that everybody's uh, about, yeah,
0: Luke Schoonmaker. Yeah, right uh, now Luke you'll know, you'll find out all about him on it, in number eighty-six. You know, you know, Jen, I wanted to throw a, a nugget at because I've you know my son coaches at Central Michigan and they played Penn State and that, oh, that no, game was guys, So I love the
2: Mac. So yeah, uh, they were
0: fourteen less. late in the second, and uh, Central had a couple touchdowns, called back, and they hung in that game. But I, it seems like to me that. Penn State plays to the level of their opponent, uh, no matter who it is. You know, I mean, they they could could play down to a team or like Northwestern, 17 to 7. That uh, small margin really shocked me. Uh, And yet they go down to Auburn, which is a a vicious place to play, and they took care of them the entire game. But did you feel that way that Penn State kind of plays to the level of the opponent?
2: Yeah, a little bit. That's a fair statement. Uh, Central Michigan, by the way, was with them the whole way. You mentioned two touchdowns called back. Yeah. Uh, the Northwestern game, the weather was brutal up here. Uh, we had 30-mile-an-hour winds with driving rain. You know, they turned up – listen to this stat. They turned the ball mm-hmm. over five times, Penn State, in that game. And Northwestern only gained eight yards after five-term. <laughs> That's why Northwestern's wow. really in a bad That's way, right? right? Northwestern's I mean, Northwestern. It's not going very Dallas. well for Pat Fitzgerald yeah. this year, but – That's the big concern is, you know, giveaway takeaway or, you know, and Franklin mentioned that today in his news conference, they got to win that battle. I mean, if you're going to be minus three at the big house in Ann Arbor, you're going to get clipped. You're not going to win that football game. So there's no margin for error, but, you know, I think Penn state we figured out kind of who they were with that big Purdue win. That's a tough spot in the opener had to have the big drive. And then unfortunately, Auburn is not very good this year. So they don't get the credit maybe they deserve for going down to an SEC country and winning that game. Um, But they've got some really good young players. And I think they're a year early. I don't know if they're ready for this assignment. They always play Ohio State tough. They've got Minnesota in the whiteout. So this three-game bang coming up starting Saturday, then Minnesota home. Then Ohio State at home (laughs) is going to define basically who they are. And November is just a cakewalk at Indiana, Maryland home, uh, Michigan State home at Rutgers. So, I mean, the season's these next three weeks up here. There you go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to play a little game with you two. uh, But uh, first I want to ask Jed uh, Donahue of uh, the Pennsylvania Sports Network this question with regard to – uh, Penn State and its its potential view of taking on a JJ McCarthy. On the one hand, you've got a kid that's only going to be making his sixth start of his college career. On the other, you've got a guy that can throw the ball. He can run a little, as Tom and I were talking about, disagreeing on how much maybe that should be <laughs> with a without the you know a, a proven backup necessarily in big situations. Um, Tell me how you think that the uh, the Penn State defense will approach this in terms of how much pressure they try to put on J.J. McCarthy.
2: I think that uh, Penn State feels real good about their secondary. Uh, this will be the best secondary that Michigan will play this year. Uh, they've got an NFL guy in Joey Porter. Here's a stat for you on Penn State. Do you know they've never had a first-round draft choice that have played in the defensive backfield? Wow. With all wow. of you know, linebacker, you and all of that, yeah, they have never had a first-round pick that has played corner or uh, safety or anything. But that's going to change now with Joey Porter Jr. His dad, 14-year guy with the Steelers. This yeah. guy's nasty. Now, he's undisciplined last year, but he's more disciplined now. That's going to be a matchup. You know, is Bell going with him? Um, you know, they feel like they can really put some pressure on McCarthy a little bit. They've got really good speed on defense. Uh, but the problem... Uh, the matchup problem defensively for Penn State are these maulers that you've got up front on the offensive line. Penn State doesn't have the real depth yet. Uh, they've got some really good young kids like Deni Dennis Sutton. They've got this uh, transfer portal guy, Chop Robinson. you got to love a defensive end where it's number 44, right? There's something <laughs> odd about that. The guy can flat out play. Uh, they were worried about replacing Arnold Abichetti who went the NFL draft last year. This kid's really good. Um, I think they feel like they can kind of contain him a little bit. I think Michigan will want to run him to try and occupy their linebackers. That's an area of concern. Uh, They've got Curtis Jacobs, who I think is an all-Big Ten guy. And Mark Carter wears the number 11, the LeVar Arrington number. He's going to be really, really good. Is he good enough for this road assignment where you're you're not hearing things real well? It's loud. Um, He's going to be good. But I think the Penn State secondary – Uh, If they can get some turnovers in the passing game that way, uh, then they're going to be in this the whole way. You will not see a better secondary, by the way, all year long than what's coming in town Saturday. Porter Jr. is big time. Jair Brown, they've got about eight guys that they rotate in. They're confident in any type of coverage they play. Press one-on-one. They can go out on an island. Uh, This is a really good group.
1: The best you'll see all year, including Ohio State's. Wow. All right. Well, that's uh, that's something for Michigan fans to chew on. Certainly. All right. Now we're going to end some line, though, John and Tom. (laughs) Uh, That's everybody's
2: like this man Saturday up here. Are they going to be able to hold up? And, you know, is Corham going to go crazy? You know, is Harbaugh going to just jam it down their throat? Is Michigan going to get the lead and settle in? You you know, the the usual concerns playing
1: you guys. Sure. All right. Well, given that backdrop, I'm gonna ask uh, Jed first, and then Tom. We're gonna to, the, the first round of this is going to be Penn State wins this game if Jed go.
2: Penn State wins this game if uh, they get plus two with that defensive backfield, or they get an interception, little short field turnover, and boy, a first score sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, if you're on the road at Michigan, if you're Penn State, a first score. And gained a little confidence and all of that sort of thing. Uh, if Clifford turns the ball over, interceptions and things like that, it's going to be a long afternoon. But Penn State wins if uh, the defensive backfield plays up to their uh, potential, and I think they're really, really good. If they get a couple of interceptions of McCarthy, especially a big, you know, red zone type turnover, that's uh, that's one way they can win this game.
1: Okay. Tom Crawford, Penn State wins this game if uh, uh, Penn State
0: wins this game if they rush for 150 yards against Michigan if they if they strike some mm. balance against that Michigan defense because Mich- Michigan's defense does, notoriously succumbs to balance they're they're really good at one dimensional teams but two dimensional teams so if they get a if they at least get if Penn State gets at least a buck fifty on the ground and Maybe two hundred through the air. They're gonna, they're gonna win the game. I, I really think I think that's gonna be the formula for Penn State. Oh, well, we have not
2: seen 100 a hundred yard. Game. I'm sorry, Tom. We hadn't seen a hundred yard game out of Penn State for <laughs> <in> three years. <laughs> well, what, but you asked me what
0: that's what if it happens, yeah. that's what's gonna be. Uh, so it's go. not gonna yeah. happen. <laughs> the two, All the right.
2: two freshmen are really good runners. They're I, gonna have great careers. Um, you know, the, I think Allen will remind you of Corum a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy that's not as heralded as Singleton. But
0: Singleton's. A, he's. I, I saw uh, the entire game in Auburn, Auburn, and it's like, Lordy, I don't yeah. like that. That number ten is. Uh, that's going to cause some headaches, I think, throughout the season.
2: Yeah, you love those runners that go boom on the corner, don't you, man? Yeah, a yeah. get yeah. of those you. kind of guys. He
0: was gone. <laughs> All right, we're
2: coming no down doubt. the
1: home stretch now, so let's flip it, Michigan. Uh, Jed, Michigan wins this game if.
2: They get the lead, control the game on the ground a little bit with Corum, a uh, little bit in the passing game. I think the tight end, uh, they always kill everybody. Michigan tight ends have been killing everybody for years. Um, I, I, I like Michigan to win this game by 10. We're thinking 27-17 up here. Uh, I just think it's a real tough assignment for a young team uh, to go on the road um, granted I think a noon kick helps if it's later in the day and everybody's a little oiled right in the parking lots, it's <laughs> a little different like it is up Michigan here Michigan
0: fans don't get oiled yet uh, do no, <laughs> I didn't hear I've never done that up
2: there but no I, I think Michigan's offensive line is going to control the tempo of this game and also John you and I talked uh, back here when you were on with our guys in Pennsylvania I think the Michigan defensive front is vastly underrated I think maybe it's come a year early, and I yeah. think they'll dictate some tempo too. And I think Clifford is going to get forced into some turnovers and things like that. I think that's that's going to be the kryptonite for Penn State. The next three weeks is turning the ball over. Uh, tough Minnesota game, that's a wide out, And then obviously Ohio State bringing in all that stuff. For, and, and fortunately for Ohio State, it's a noon kick up here. It's not a whiteout yeah. game at night or anything like that. So that's a break for the Buckeyes getting a noon kick up here, as you well know. But yeah, Michigan, no, I've got no a 27-17. No I just think okay. they power their way to victory. It's it's the hardball way, right? I mean, that's how you're going to do it now. You punch in the mouth. Okay. Didn't like that. We punch you in the mouth again. Isn't that what's going on up there? Really? <laughs> uh,
1: well, he likes the, he likes that ball. So uh, yeah, in that. I, I, I saw that, him
2: when he was a player there with Bo, right, in Columbus in 85 yeah. and Guaranteeing victory and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, eighty six. Yeah, you know that's, that's eighty six. Uh, out of Michigan today is what I grew up with. You know, it's like, look, we're running the ball, we're running it here. Stop it, and nobody yeah. can. It's yeah. you're back to you're back in business there.
1: Okay, well, Tom Crawford, is, does that play into uh, Michigan <laughs> wins this game if? Well, I
0: mean, I, I have a smorgasbord of ifs that I want to grab each one of them and put them all together. But we I want to get some games like <laughs> this, right? And i <laughs> If they bit. get four sacks, four sacks, they're going to beat Penn State. If Michigan gets 175, uh, take that back. If they get 200 yards rushing, they're automatically going to win that game because I know they're going to get two hun through the air with JJ McCarthy. Even though you're right, I've seen that secondary for Penn State. They turn you over, and obviously, I yeah, saw that. Do
2: against Central Michigan. But the right side of Penn State's offensive line plays into what you're just talking about right yeah. there. Yeah, Not yeah. very good. Uh, it's better than it's been. But, you know, the offensive line is still something that, uh, you know, let's see how many false starts there are in all of this. I mean, I know they've been to Auburn and all of this sort of thing, but this is a different animal going into the big house yeah, uh, in Ann Arbor, especially with the stakes being what they are. And your fans know exactly what's in play here. Uh, you know we're in the national championship hunt, right? And and it's this a this a big step for Penn State. This this a learning experience coming.
0: A lot of trappings. The '97 team is going to be there. Lloyd Carr. The tunnel's getting renamed after him. I I think that's gonna that's that's gonna be an element. And I have I have Michigan winning this game 31-20, but I have it as a fourth quarter game at 24-20 late. Michigan has right. at the yeah. end. I think it's going to be a, a white knuckler, to be honest with you, Jed. JB, I, I really do, and I, and this is the first ranked opponent for Michigan. They're stepping up in quality of opponent. Uh, finally, here on October fifteenth, and I always said, John, remember I've told this. Ask me about you know when people say, ask me about well, how good's Michigan? Talk to me about 4 o'clock on the afternoon, October 15th. Then I'll tell you how good Michigan is, and that's what we're going to find out this Saturday. Oh, Lord Carr, right? Hey.
2: We were talking about the Chad Henney recruitment, man. They're still upset about that up there. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> they, they, they are. Absolutely. They were angry about that so, whole thing. To deal. Manningham
0: in the 5 game. Oh, the that
1: might be oh. my top one. All right, you're gonna. Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get them it, all man. stirred up in Pennsylvania. All <laughs> right, all
2: the pain. Trust me, they do. Don't we're deep in
1: Stevie the Breston. Come on, <laughs> from Pittsburgh, no less. Don't do that. There you go. <laughs> we're 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 deep in the fourth quarter here, guys. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds apiece for this last answer. But uh, uh, again, Jed, we'll start with you. Which of these teams is the most likely? uh regardless of the the outcome this weekend to knock off ohio state and why
2: uh i think uh well everybody thinks so. ohio state at penn state it's always been a close game mm-hmm. i still think for ohio state it's going to be michigan uh they're upset about the way it went last year i mean you got ryan day saying it was a bad year they went 11 and 2 and won the rose bowl i mean <laughs> come on yeah. Uh, yeah you know how they have emphasized their offensive line i think it's all about uh, Michigan on the Ohio State thing I think they'll do a business trip up here they'll survive up here probably win by 10 or more uh for Ohio State it's all about Michigan at the end of the year and that's what they're
1: pointing toward period mm. okay tom Crawford.
0: so who has a be- so you're asking me who has a better chance of beating Ohio State is that what
1: you're yep. saying out of yeah, these two teams do. that are playing oh, yeah, that and I, you know.
0: I think it's really close i mean because i think i i know ohio or penn state will be competitive against the bucks uh up at, up in state college but I think by the time we get to game twelve, JJ McCarthy, who will be in New York City next year for the Heisman, you know that all that little interviews and all that stuff, mm-hmm. he will be there. That's my prediction. Uh, I think he will he will be a veteran, uh, very effective quarterback by that time. I think I think Ohio State's going to win that game, but I think Michigan's going to be way more competitive than Ohio State fans want it to be. And I think that's going to be a fourth quarter game that Michigan will probably. Lose at the end, but I, I I think it's Michigan as far as the ability to compete with Ohio State versus Penn State.
2: Isn't that the first of two meetings this year with Michigan and Ohio State as the SEC cannibalizes each other? Could that happen?
1: <laughs> uh, Don't rule it out. There'd be a few people that would love that. And oh, yeah. uh, we, we got to close this out, but man, this we got to do this lot- again. Lively and fun, no doubt about it. Uh, Jed I love you guys, Donahue, man. we have of, so much
2: respect for Michigan. You know that it's uh, my whole state's in lockdown at noon on Saturday. Man, this is what it's all about. These kind of games, right here.
1: There you go. Fantastic, Jed Donahue, uh, Pennsylvania Sports Network. Tom Crawford, uh, a man who has covered Michigan football since uh, since Yoast. I believe. And uh, (laughs) we we love you. So we're good. Love you both. And thanks (laughs) for joining us. Thank you, John. Come back and see us again. Anytime, man. Thank you,
2: guys.
0: Let's do it again. You You got it. Thanks.
2: Step into the world of power. Loyalty.